We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Every once in a while, I stumble upon a quote, a video, or maybe a song, and boy, does it knock me off my feet. It just moves me to my core. And today's guest did just that in about two seconds. His name is Wintley Phipps. He's a singer, he's a songwriter, he's a minister. And if you're one of the 25 million people who watched his various renditions of Amazing Grace on YouTube, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. His version, so powerful. He was asked to perform at the funeral of U.S. Representative John Lewis. Wintley's voice is gorgeous, and he spent a lifetime using it to elevate the lives of others. Wintley has performed before seven U.S. presidents, but his voice is just one of the gifts he shares with those around him. And he also shares his time. He makes space in his life to lift up kids he feels need it the most, which is why Wintley founded the U.S. Dream Academy, a program mentoring children of incarcerated parents. As you listen to Wintley share his wisdom, I'd love for you and me to ask ourselves the same question. Am I giving life the best version of myself? As you can imagine, I am bursting to talk with him. Wisdom, purpose, guidance, right here, right now. I'm Hoda Kotb, and welcome to my podcast, Making Space. Wintley Phipps, my word. Wintley, um, the first time I heard your, your voice, I heard you sing Amazing Grace. And it just, it's like someone was holding my heart in their oh. hands. I couldn't believe what I was listening to. Just tell me what's going through you when you're singing those words. Well, I, I found out uh, the melody of that song sounds very much like a West African sorrow chant. And all Negro spirituals, just about all Negro spirituals were written on what we call it the black notes of the piano or the pentatonic scale. And it just so happens that this song, Amazing Grace, the most famous uh, religious Christian hymn in history, the melody was written on that same scale that the slaves used. And it mm -hmm. sounds like... Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> It's got so much power and pathos in it. And so when I, and you know, who one of the first people I heard talk about that was Jesse Norman. And uh, when she said that, I went and I researched it and I went to the Library of Congress. And, and <laughs> wherever you see that song authentically printed, it says words, John Newton, 
the slave mm. captain who wrote the words, mm. but it mm. always says, melody unknown. Mm. And isn't it interesting that all the Negro spirituals, they too have the same author, unknown. Mm. <laughs> you know, and so when I sing it, Whitley, I feel just, all of that. <laughs> can I just say one thing? You hummed a few bars. Yes. And I'm not kidding, head to toe and back down again. Chills all oh, over. Oh, yes, yes. Mm. Well, it, it's just, and, and people often ask, why does that melody touch us the way it does? Yeah. And I think it's because it still speaks to the slave in us. Mm. Because we're all struggling. There's something we're all dealing with. There's something that's threatening to hold us back, hold us down, to shackle us. And uh, that melody represents hope. It represents uh. solace. It, it uh. represents encouragement. And so uh, when I hum it, I, I hear and feel the sounds of slave ships. As a matter of fact, Hoda, not long ago, I was in Ghana. And I went to the uh, the slave castle, and I went mm. down into the dungeon where they held the slaves before they took them to the door of no return. And I was in that dungeon, and I began to hum it down there, and, and that was a moving moment for me as well. I've heard you speak a little Wentley here and there, yes. and I've always blown away. And you sometimes talk about your childhood, and you'll say it. It had some troubles. Oh, yes. And and that's kind of where you leave it. And Uh then you go on with your life. And I feel like sometimes to see how you got here, you need to know, like, where you came from. Yes. What were, if you don't mind me asking, what were the troubles that you had to endure? Because a lot of kids go through a lot of hell when they're kids and they don't see a way out. Yes. Well, let me tell you, first of all, I had an aunt that I hadn't seen for years come by to visit me. And uh, she was walking around the house looking at the pictures with the presidents and with Oprah and, and the magazine articles. And she said, sit down, I want to tell you something. Hmm. So I sat down and she said, uh, two years before you were born, your father, my brother, she said, we had a sister named Pearl. And two years before you were born, Pearl died while having, or getting rid of an unwanted pregnancy. And when your mother became pregnant with you, out of wedlock, there were many who were urging her to do the same. But we had been through so much pain. The sisters of your father, we rallied around your mother. We said, no way, we're not going to let this happen. And your mother's mother paid a visit to our mother to talk about this situation. (laughs) They closed the door. And they made a pact that they were going to pray for the life of this child. Hmm. And the prayer that they were going to pray is, Lord, make this child's life a blessing to the world. Hmm. And so I want to start off by saying I'm an answer Hmm. to two grandmothers' prayers, (laughs) right? And But what moved me deeply was because my aunt Pearl died, I was able to live. Mm. Now, I was born to this troubled home, but I used to get away from my parents' troubles. I had a little red tricycle 
and I'd go in the backyard of my house and turn the tricycle on its side and use one of the backside wheels as a steering wheel. Mm. And I'd close my eyes and I would dream driving, flying all over the world, meeting important people. <laughs> when I'm five and six, seven years old, because I thought maybe that that's how you become important, you know? And uh, hold up, I was born in Trinidad. And uh, at the age of 10, we moved to Montreal, Canada. That's mm. where I grew up. I went from palm trees to ice. Uh, I, I joined a hockey team and everything, you know, so that's the equivalent of Jamaican bobsled. Did you find God when you were that little or? or? No, no. Uh, for me, all I had were my dreams. And my dreams were my first connection to God. Mm. In other words, in the quiet crucible of your personal private sufferings, your noblest dreams are born and God's greatest gifts are given. And often God gives his greatest gifts in compensation for what you've been through. Well, that's what happened to me. And my journey to God, if you don't mind, I'll tell you, I actually at 16 and 15, I wanted to be another Sly Stone. Because yeah. <laughs> you had those pipes. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to do thank you for letting me be myself. You know what I mean? But, but I met Sly when I was 16 and he was stoned. And I said, no. <laughs> he was stoned? Yeah, he was stoned. Oh, Something, something's wrong with this picture. My hero is incoherent, you know. Um, let me tell you hold mm-hmm. on, how I learned how to sing. Mm. Yes. Uh, I didn't have any voice teachers. But... When I was 14, 15, I was sounding just like this at 15 years old. But I found my voice teacher on the radio. And I used to listen to this voice on the radio and practice sounding just like this voice on the radio. So for my 34th wedding anniversary, I said to my wife, my voice teacher on the radio, I wonder if he's still in concerts. I Googled, lo and behold, he was in concerts. I bought plane tickets and concert tickets. Something told me, send him a message. Okay. So I sent him an email. So I said, sir, when I turned 15, I didn't have any voice teachers. You became my voice teacher on the radio. You've been my musical inspiration, my musical North Star. Let me tell you all I've gone on to do with that inspiration. I told him I had Grammy nominations and I was the only soloist at Diana Ross's wedding in Geneva, mm. Switzerland. And, and I said, I, I mean, I get to meet you, but I want to thank you. I got an email back from him saying, Sir Tom Jones would like to see you and your wife when you come to Las Vegas. <laughs> wow. <laughs> when I walked into the green room, meeting him for the first time, I, I, I was mischievous. I couldn't resist. I said, it's not unusual to be loved by anyone. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this brother could say, fall in love. I'm never gonna fall. And I said, oh my goodness. But the long and short of it is, when I was 16, I met my musical heroes. I met these heroes of mine early. Hoda, I saw they had money, they had fame, they had everything, but they weren't happy. What was missing? Like, what what was missing? Well, I asked, for example, I asked one of the um, vice presidents of Motown Records one day, I said, how many of the principal artists at Motown have had long, happy marriages and families mm. and he thought and he thought he said really none of them none yeah and and I, being a child 
who did not have a family when I was growing up. I didn't want to miss out on that. Mm. Yeah, and, and by the way, that's, that's one thing that will help you be straight because <laughs> you don't want to miss. You, you want what you didn't have as a child and you don't want to mess that up. So here I, I was pushing away my Sly Stone dream <laughs> and pushing away my Tom Jones dream. But I had this voice. Mm. And uh, I was coming to age at a time when the music industry, get this, was removing male bass baritone soloist off of the music scene, whether it's a Paul Robeson or whether it's an Arthur Prysock or Joe Williams or You'll Never Find, you know, Lou Rawls singing down there or Barry White. Uh There are no bass baritone hip-hop modern popular singers today, right? So, So all of a sudden... Uh, I found myself alone, but it's okay because alone is another uh, synonym for unique. (laughs) (laughs) So, so when I get up to sing, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. When I'm singing, people often are listening to a voice and a sound coming out of the body of a human being they have never heard live or never heard from somebody else. Uh, And so I give a lot of hope to a lot of men (laughs) who sound like me, who don't know what, what can we do with this anymore. Oh, you give a lot of hope to a lot of people. (laughs) When we come back, Wintley shares how he knew he was in the presence of God. Coming up after the break. Every parent is a busy parent. There's enough on your plate without piling on your kids' homework. And considering how much teaching methods have changed, most of us are a little rusty anyway. Consider IXL, an excellent resource for homework that can make a huge impact on your child's ability to learn. Backed by research, kids using IXL are actually scoring higher on their tests. Our techniques help them master topics in a fun way, complete with positive feedback. We're seeing improvements all across the country as IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. And IXL is also very affordable. One month of IXL costs less than the typical hour of tutoring. On just one website, IXL covers all the kids in your home from pre-K to 12th grade. Sign up today to get 20% off your membership at IXL. IXL.com slash H-O-D-A. That's IXL.com slash H-O-D-A. I interviewed Dolly Parton a while ago, and she said, when I was younger, Hoda, I just sang in East Tennessee in the mountains. Right. And we never heard anybody else sing. We just sang. 
Yes. We didn't know the right way, this way, like that one. We just sang. So when she right. came to Nashville, she went to a recording studio and she sang like only Dolly sang because it came right. from inside. That's right. And she's such an original. And I was just thinking about how that makes her unique and who God probably intended her to be. And I look at you yes. and I see a guy who is is that. I mean, oh. you, you know, I just feel that that's, that individual piece of you is on display. Yes. And finding that isn't easy in a world full of judgy this and be like that. And how about yes. him? Yes. How right. did you, how, how did you maintain that kind of compass yes. to, to, to be true to you? Well, that little voice, which I now know is God, gave me a little quote. Again, it's not one of those little quotes that are attributable to his impressing my heart with. <laughs> you don't have to compromise to be recognized. Uh -huh. In other words, be faithful to who you are, who you were called to be. Any door that needs to be open for you will open. When did you get called? to God? Like, when did that and how did that come to be? Well, I went to attend, I attended actually a, a Christian school for my last year of high school. And I remember it was a shock for me because I'd come from my sly stone dreams in, in the streets and the hood. And here I was in this uh, very uh, strict environment you know, they were turning the lights out in the dorm at 10 o'clock at night. Mm. But of course, this is 1971. <laughs> and they had rules like you you couldn't hold hands with the girls on oh, campus, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. So I went to the dean of men. I said, hey, I'm leaving. I can't take all these rules <laughs> and regulations. And then he said to me, is that what you really want to do? I said, yeah. And then he said, why don't you do for once? Not what you want to do, but what God wants you to do. Oh, wow. And that thing hit me, and I went up to my room. Oh, that was the first time I ever prayed mm. in my life. And I got on my knees, and I said, okay, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. I said, if you want me to be a garbage man, for you, I'll be a garbage man. Mm. If you, if you, if the only music I'll ever know is whistling hymns on the back of a garbage mm. truck. That, that's fine. And then I said, you know, I'd love to travel and use my talents for you. And if that's your will for me, open the doors. Let me see in some way. And a day went by, a couple men came up to me and said, are you Wintley Phipps? I said, yeah. I said, listen, we've been hearing about you. We want you to travel and do singing evangelism with us. Now, when you pray and then see a prayer answered for the first time in your life, it scars you for life. <laughs> it scars you. And so I walked that campus in a daze for a couple of days because I sing. so there is a God. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know, and then I started listening. And hold on, I, I heard that. It was the first time I felt the impression of that voice mm. that, that I've told you about. And I heard the voice say to me, I've seen your dreams. Mm. Give me your dreams. And I'll let you glimpse a little of what I've been dreaming for you. Mm. If you can just be faithful to the best of your ability, I'm going to take your life down an unusual path. You will sing to the masses huh. and you will speak truth to people of influence and power. And that has been my life. Do you ever or have you ever lost your way? Well, I would say 
Life is about losing your way a lot. Hmm. In other words, whenever I make a choice or a decision that I know is not in harmony with my values and is not in harmony with that voice that's telling me, mm-hmm. don't do that. I lose my way. Mm-hmm. We lose our way. But thank God we can course correct quickly. Sometimes on our knees, mm-hmm. sometimes in tears, uh, sometimes uh, just calling out, uh, frankly, uh, I have been in the most uh, abject of places calling out to God. Mm. Uh, I, I mean, some do it at their kitchen tables, some at their beds. Uh, it doesn't matter to me where I am. I, that prayer, God, give me your grace. Give me your wisdom. Uh, show me the way forward. And, and I often hear that voice saying to me, I'll take care of you. Mm. I'll take care of you. And for me, that is the most comforting, encouraging thing. So that's probably a, a strange way of answering your question about losing your way. But whenever we are not living in harmony with our values and our dignity and our highest purpose— In that moment, we've really lost our way and we need to course correct. And for people who feel far from far from God, because sometimes in life when there's loss and things, you 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 pull back. Um, Do you have any words for for those folks? Well, I will share with them this uh, one powerful truth. I know it to be a truth. You were created to be loved. And you were created to be loved by God. It's up to you whether you let God love you. Okay, can I just ask you really, just from my soul to yours? Yes. Um, you had words for me yes. when I needed them. Yes. How does that come to you? You know, there is a sense and a desire that is overwhelming to be a blessing and to be an encouragement and to be a motivation to help other people during critical times in their lives. And I've I can't say I was born with it, but I I feel this desire to speak into people's lives. And often I speak into people's lives at the most critical moments, Mm. the most critical moments of their lives. One of those stories is when I was, was 41 years ago, I was singing in Baltimore, Maryland. I came down off the platform. I felt a tap on my shoulder lady said, excuse me, sir, I just heard you sing, and I feel like I can talk to you. Do you have time to talk to me? I said, sure. So she came by our home, and we talked and prayed with her. And after praying with her, I lifted her, and I said, you know, 
before you go, God has impressed me to tell you he's going to bless you and give you an opportunity to speak to millions of people. She said, you think God would do that for me? And it was Oprah Winfrey. <gasps> and that's how we met all those years ago. And, then, and I mean, I can go on and on uh, of, of experiences like that. When you said to Oprah, God compelled mm-hmm. me to tell yeah. you this, which is, I'm sure, just what she needed yeah. to hear at just the right yes. moment. How did that, like, how does God compel you or speak to you? Or how did you know that it was something you had to pass along? Well, you know how you get used to recognizing the voice of a friend? Mm. Well, when you're doing your best to walk with God, you begin to recognize the voice Hmm. of your sweetest friend. And one of the ways you learn to recognize it, people say, well, how do I know it's God's voice? You ever want to do something that you know is wrong and you hear a voice saying, don't do that. Don't do that. That's not you. You would never tell yourself not to do what you want to do because you want to do it. Right. So, so when there's that other voice telling you, mm, don't do that. And you begin to recognize the, the, the I want to say, I almost want to say the spiritual accent of that voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when that voice speaks to you and, and an Oprah happens, mm-hmm. oh, first of all, you recognize you don't have the foresight, the wisdom to come up with something like that on yeah. your own, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so you got to say, listen, I'm going to give God the credit. An old preacher told me something once. Remember, son, he said, any glory that is due at the foot of the cross, he said, if you touch it, you're a dead man. <laughs> <laughs> I am not going to take an ounce of credit for these inspiring impressions. Up next, we'll learn about Wintley's incredible work with the U.S. Dream Academy, which he created to help educate America's most vulnerable children. More on that in just a moment. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Here's a question. Have you ever been prescribed a medication? Most likely, yes. Well, what about this question? Did you understand how it worked? The way your medication works in your body shouldn't be a mystery. Learn how Vivgart, Fgartigamod Alpha FCAB works by visiting vivgart.com slash MOA. That's V-Y-V-G-A-R-T dot com slash MOA. Brought to you by Argenix. Who taught you how to be a father? 
Oh, great question. I, first of all, I would say I saw some men around me that have beautiful families. And I have three sons. I've been married 45 years. Um, and I tell them all the time, and I've told them, I want you to see a man treating his wife and your mother like she is the happiest mm-hmm. woman on earth. Mm-hmm. And that's that's all I know how to do is to do my very best to make sure that my wife feels like she is mm-hmm. the most cherished. I tell her so many times a day that I love you. I just make up reasons to say it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's worked for us for 45 years. You know, I think it's so cool because sometimes when behavior's not modeled, it's like you're learning to do something that wasn't taught when you yeah. were little. And to be able, because we all know how to go through the motions of being yeah. a father or a mother, but it's a yeah. different thing when you put your heart out and yeah. say, I'm handing this over to you. Yes. And that had to take a lot of internal work for you too, didn't it? Yes, it did. It, and and it, it took a lot. Well, I will also say the most important thing to help you model to be a good father is character. Mm. If you're trying to be a man of character, if that's your North Star, if that's mm-hmm. your goal, and I'm talking about learning to be a person of strong belief and faith, a person who is patient, a person who has self-control, mm-hmm. a person of kindness, a person of love. Mm-hmm. If you learn character, you'll be a good father. Mm. That's, that is beautiful. It's exactly this interest in giving young people the skills to succeed that's inspired one of Whitley's most powerful endeavors. You wouldn't believe the unlikely path he took to get there. Let me tell you an interesting story that, that, mm. that really sets the stage for what became my life's work. I was on an Amtrak train from Baltimore to Philadelphia, and on Amtrak, mm-hmm. When you don't want somebody sitting next to you, you camp out, put your food and yeah, papers put your around bags. you. Yeah. <laughs> well, this man had camped out. There were other seats available. But I walked up to him and I said, excuse me, is anybody sitting next to you? And he smiled. He said, no. And he pulled up his food and his papers. That man's name was Chuck Colson of Watergate fame, Charles Colson, who was one of President Nixon's hatchet men, they called him who went to prison for the Watergate scandal and made a decision that when he came out of prison, he was going to spend the rest of his life doing one thing, helping prisoners and their families. Oh, wow. And we became dear friends. He placed me on his board of directors. And while on the board, a very alarming statistic surfaced that about 60 to 70% of all children in America who end up in prison come from the children of those who are in prison now. It's the children of prisoners Mm -hmm. who are very much at risk. And also we found uh, that we needed to break that cycle. So we said, what can we build? And they said, study the problem first. Well, when we studied it, we found out, Hoda, that 
interactive tutorial academic support is critical to breaking that cycle. For example, 60% uh, of all black boys in America who don't graduate from high school will be in prison by the age of 30. Oh, my word. Forbes magazine published an article and they cited some statistics from the Barbara Bush Foundation, a study. Hoda, between the ages of 16 and 74, 54% of all Americans between the ages of 16 and 74 read below a sixth grade level. Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. And so you put all that together. And so we started the first organization of its kind that we know of called the U.S. Dream Academy. We provide tutoring and mentoring to children of incarcerated parents, children falling behind in school. Whitley founded the U.S. Dream Academy in 1998, inspired by witnessing the huge impact of incarceration on families. The U.S. Dream Academy now has seven locations in cities all over the United States. They provide after-school mentorship and tutoring for children with incarcerated parents. But they're not just focused on academics. They engage kids in all areas of their life, from improving their self-esteem to teaching them computer skills, all in the service of helping them dream up new futures for themselves. This so speaks to your calling, and it strikes me because if someone's listening to this podcast as they're going about their business, a lot of people have dreams to mm. do something mm. bigger than themselves. Yes. They long to, Yes, but they get stuck. Yes. It's too big. Yes. The problem is too massive, or I don't even know where to start to find my purpose. What should I do? Yes. Um, I think some some practical advice might be good for people who look at you and say, I want to do that, but I don't even know where to begin. How do you set finding not your job or your occupation, but your purpose? Well, your purpose, when it is on steroids, mm -hmm. is helping people who need you, helping people live their potential in life. Okay. And well, you know, and for me, that's what whether it's Oprah or whether it's a prisoner, it doesn't matter who that person is. And uh, one of the first things that you can do is start looking for people to help that you can, yeah, that you can just speak a word of encouragement to, yeah, a word of wisdom to. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and what happens is, you the more you do that, the more you become a force to be reckoned with. Right, right. I think a lot of people are going through, mm. whether it's loss of, you know, there's just been a lot of loss in yes. this moment. Yes. But whatever someone is struggling with and they don't see any light, they just see darkness. Yes. Um, what, what, how do you counsel someone who's feeling those kind of feels? Yes. Well, one interesting thing is that light is the only antidote for darkness. Mm -hmm. But light comes in many different ways. Uh, most of us are trying to find light by someone giving something to us. But we really find light when we're giving to others. Uh. In other words, when you smile to give someone else a smile, yeah. It will change your heart. It does something for you. Mm -hmm. 
it brings light to you. If you're just waiting for somebody to smile at you, you're probably going to stay in darkness, right? (laughs) (laughs) But if you're committed and you say, every chance I get, I'm going to try to put a little sunshine in somebody else's life. You know, there's an old Chinese proverb that says, you can't give a rose without some of the fragrance mm-hmm. staying with you. Mm-hmm. So you you can't try to dispel darkness from someone else's life mm-hmm. without that light shining on your own life. And finding your purpose, it doesn't have an age limit, does it? Because I think, you know, mm-hmm. some people think, well, I'll just limp along to the end. Here I am. You know, I don't really, you know, some people have retired or they're empty nesters or whatever it is. And they think, well, I think all my best days are behind me, Yes. you know, as I move forward. Yes. Well, you've been blessed. Yeah. I've been blessed. Yeah. And I had to find that there's a difference uh, between moments of destiny. And that's Mm. what really God taught me. God said, you know, moments of destiny are moments for which you were created. But they're not the reason for which you were created. Mm. Mm. So you being on NBC, it's, it's it's an amazing blessing. It's not the reason for which you were created. Mm-hmm. They, they represent moments for which you were created, yeah. but not the reason for which you were right. created. The reason for which you were created, your highest purpose is to grow more every day mm-hmm. in kindness and patience and love to become the best version of yourself mm-hmm. on earth. So you're, you have to switch your focus mm-hmm. and almost switch your trajectory. Mm. Okay, so I was the first gospel artist on Soul Train. Or I did Saturday Night Live. So you want to do it again? Mm-hmm. You know, it's on your resume. All the stuff that's on your resume. Yeah. Is that what is that what you're really living for? To right. get it on your resume again? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. I'm telling you, there's something more beautiful. Mm-hmm. There's something higher yeah. about purpose, and that is to be the best version of yourself. I'm not sure if this was just a therapy (laughs) session for me or a podcast, but either way, I loved every second of it. Whitley Phipps, wow, you are are really extraordinary. I can't thank you enough for spending some time with us and sharing all these pearls of wisdom and light and love and that beautiful voice of yours. My God. I'm going to go to YouTube as soon as we hang up and just listen to to some more of you singing a little bit more. Thank you very much. Thank you for everything. You're very welcome. And thank you. Keep doing all that you're doing. We love you. We're proud of you you. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Whitley. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening and going on this journey with me. If you like what you've heard, and I sure hope you do, please give Making Space a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to tell your friends and follow on Apple Podcasts on Spotify or wherever you're listening right now. Making Space with Hoda Kotb is produced by Allison Berger and Ursula Summer, along with associate producer Rachel Young and audio engineer Bob Mallory. Original music by John Estes. Bryson Barnes is our technical director. Minna Kathuria is our executive producer. Soraya Gage is our general manager. And Madeline Herringer is our head of editorial. 
sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.